Okay, all systems seem to be okay. Let's commence the countdown. Are you quite sure you want to do this? Yes, we're quite sure we'd like to start the countdown. Commencing countdown. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Look, you're absolutely sure you want to do this. Yes, you click the. I clicked the thing saying that yes, I want to start the countdown. You've started the countdown and I haven't panicked and stopped it. So yes, I would like to do the countdown. You want to do the countdown? Yes. And you think this is a good idea? Yes, I do. I would like to do the countdown because I think it's a good idea to do the countdown. Yes, we, we've worked, worked very hard on this. We've researched it. We know exactly what we're doing. Well, if, you, if you're sure, quite sure. Yes. You're certain, and I, I can't change your mind. No, we wouldn't have clicked to do the countdown if we weren't ready to do the countdown. Okay. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Oh shit, I don't think we should have done that. <laughs> Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Iris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies have a talk about our weeks and what we've been up to and have a bit of a giggle with some silly voices and skits and that sort of thing. How are you this week, Jane? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. It was we, so much. We watched a thing before we recorded so this, and we'll get to that later. We watched a thing, and it was a lot, and we're going to talk about it. It's, it was a lot. Feelings occurred. So many feels. But we'll get to that in the listen section. How are you doing this week, other than what we just watched? I don't know. All of the things have been forgotten. There is only the... the, the, the Sadness and, and confusion within uh, my heart. Well, I'll tell you how I'm doing then. I'm, do doing, doing? I'm doing quite well. We had we had quite a lovely uh, weekend. We, uh, we saw some friends that had a very long gaming day. We did. Um, we had a good gaming day. We did lose most of our Saturday to tidying up and also broken Fixing computers. Microsoft's problem. But, but we, we got a laptop that broke on the day, fixed on the same day. Yeah. And your computer that hasn't worked since, like, October is working again. Thanks, Microsoft. Thanks. We did it. Yeah. And also thanks to Rob for fixing it. Thank you. Lovely Rob Dumphy, who who helped us out because he's, he's lovely and he's sweet and he's, he's the best. And the best at computers. And just the best in general. He's the best in general. But yeah, it's been, it's been a nice old week, this one. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's been alright, I yeah. think. Uh, shall we start with what we've played? Because we've played a lot this week. I feel um, like we have played more than usual this week. Yeah, well, I think it helps that we had such a long gaming day on on Sunday with a lot of games that were new to us. Yeah, and then you've had a month... Um... Bunch of games you've been playing, and um, we played a bunch of games together on yeah. your uh, your recent hatching day. On my hatching day, yeah. Oh goodness, I'd almost forgotten about all of those. I know. It Luckily, was... I put them on the list. Well, I'm looking at them right now <laughs> on the list. So, should we start with something you've played? Uh, something that just I played. I finished. Or, or it could six... be we. I don't know. Something that you did play. I haven't played anything on the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> um, I finished playing Sexy Brutal. Oh yeah. How'd you get on with that? Um, yeah, that was, uh, interesting. 
it's not what you expect no. by the end, is it? It's... No. And I was really hoping that I would get to do like a thing where I had to save everybody in one go. Yeah, it, that feels like a thing that should happen, but I think we worked out it's not possible. Like a boss rush mode, it but, needs to be a thing. Yeah, it, it does a really good job of like giving hints at its narrative that you end up going, oh, okay. 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 Yeah, that's what's okay. I see what's going on. I was also really happy because I was I was trying trying desperately to keep up with the text and and voice some of the characters yeah. um, as I was reading it for the stream. Um, yeah, you you did the whole thing on stream. This I is your first game that you've played start, start to finish stream. on streams. Uh, no, I think Monkey Island Two might have that particular oh, yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's um, it was good. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I'm very glad. I, I feel like I should have paid more for it. I got it in a pack of like four games for like three forty nine on well, Fanatical. Yeah, you, maybe next time they bring out a game, you can pick that up to be like yeah. at full price retail to be like, here you go, here's your thank you. Yeah, that seems not unreasonable of a thing to do. Yeah, you, you had a good time trying to prevent murders. Yeah, I prevented all of the murders. It, although I didn't. <laughs> or did I? Mm. Yeah, it's it's also a short enough game that like you you can conceivably like yes I will get to the end of this, which yeah, is nice. I think it was what like nine ten hours something like that. Yeah, you got through it in what three sessions playing? I got it in three sessions, and there were some problems. And for some reason, I can't export session three from Twitch to YouTube. Yeah, I've yeah. tried that several times now. It's just not happening. It just ain't happening. But <laughs> but you know we'll we'll see how it do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed Sexy Brutality. The, the art's nice, the music's very pretty, the the way it all links together is really cool. Mm. Yeah, I would I would yeah, I would like to see more of that. Yeah. And more from that de developer. What have you played? I've been playing a bunch more Mass Effect Andromeda. Cool. The more I play of that, the more I I'm actually really kinda digging it. Mm -hmm. It's it's gone from yeah, this is alright to like Maybe it's just like it's the kind of game that I want right now, but I'm having a real blast, like going around planets, doing busy work to be like, I'm gonna get this meter up to a hundred percent so people can live on this planet and be safe and happy. You're terraforming then. I'm terraforming basically. I am. I'm enjoying a lot of the moral choices this gives. I felt I felt very differently about this when I started playing it, but. Compared to the original Mass Effect trilogy, where most of the choices... You've, you've seen this. The way that the choices and the dialogue options are laid out, you've got, here's the be nice option, here's the be a bit ruthless option down the bottom, and, like, it's always very clear which what, which options, what the game thinks of which options. Oh. And additionally, most of those choices have consequences that happen later and it'll come back to hit and bite you in the arse and go well you picked this so this is happening now hmm. Andromeda really doesn't do that okay. it, its moral choices are always just here are two things that are very very diametrically opposed and both of them are kind of bad choices and they're not even going to have an impact it's just about stopping and thinking about what you who is your character as a person yeah like in a vacuum where you're not thinking about the mechanical benefits and drawbacks, what do you think of this moral conundrum? Mm. Uh, so I'm going to give an example of a side quest I found really early on in Andromeda that I thought was like a good one to summarise some of the questions it gives you. Mm -hmm. um, you end up going and talking to this person who's in prison. He's been arrested for murder and he says, 
I didn't commit the murder, and he asks you to go and find evidence that he didn't commit the murder on the, the planet where it happened. He's accused, he's in the army, and he's been accused of killing his commanding officer because his commanding officer ordered them to keep going, and he, he the, this soldier was like, they got into a very big heated argument. He was like, we need to retreat. We're going to die if we don't retreat. And the accusation is that he's killed his commanding officer so that there's no one above him in the chain of commands. So we can get them retreated so they won't die. Which, there's a moral discussion to be had there. Um, the thing that's really interesting is it turns out he didn't kill his commanding officer, but he intended to, and he thought he had. Um, you find the commanding officer's body, and he's been shot in the back when the soldier was in front of him, so it's like, okay, the aliens shot him, but you hear a recording from the captain as he was dying, and the soldier goes, good riddance, uh, good riddance, I'm glad I did it, or something to that effect. And you have to have this discussion with the political leaders about, like, technically he's innocent of murder, but he intended murder, murder occurred, he was happy that the murder occurred, and... We're in this weird position where if we let him go, we're letting go someone who we know will just murder authority figures when he's like, I disagree with your choice. Like, he had no way of knowing that they were walking into their death. That was just his opinion. He killed someone over it. Uh, or he tried to kill someone over it. Equally, if you let him go, political problems happen because this is the first arrest for a murder that's happened in the Andromeda Galaxy. Do you potentially make the populace feel worried by letting him go, because it seems like, oh, we they don't know how to have a proper legal system, their first arrest turns out they arrested the wrong person, and you're suddenly left with this question of, does it matter that he didn't actually kill this man, because he intended to, and was happy that it happened, and tried to do it, and he did die, there's a, there's a conundrum. It's it's an interesting question. It's certainly a philosophical point. It's a it's a philosophical quandary to be made. Um, there's there's one later on. It's a much easier one to explain this one. There's an alien race who they they have these fish. It's the only thing that they really have that has any history on this planet, and they have a lot of cultural reverie for the these fish. They're like you don't you don't fish them. You just leave them be. And someone's been harvesting them, and it turns out it's like, hey, we think there's an oil in this fish's skin that can stop these aliens' weapons from hurting us. It might be able to help protect us from attacks. But you then have the question of, do you sanction tearing apart the culture of this species without their consent in order to save lives? And I find some of those questions interesting without the moral, without the mechanical benefit at the end, mm. where it's just... This isn't going to help you, it's just who you are as a character. Yeah, like, even for that one with the, the, the fish, it's not like you will have better armour. It, it will take so long to have any impact that you won't get to have any better defence because you sanctioned letting them use it. It's just a question of, where do you fall on this line? Hmm. And I didn't like that initially. I kept going, there's, but there's no meaning to these choices. I was like, well, often when you make moral choices, you don't see an outcome. You just make your choice. And yep. We don't all live in D&D. Yeah. So we just thought that was interesting. And that, that bit of the game has really grown on me mm. in my last couple of play sessions. Okay. 
Oh, what about you? What have you been playing? Well, we played some things together on my hatching day. Oh, we did. We busted out the uh, Sega Mega Drive Classics mm-hmm. collection on the Switch. We we played some shooty ones, I think. We we, we played some uh, side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Yeah. And 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 we played uh, something a bit more. Um. Yeah. Adventure. Should, should we start at the top of your hatching day list? Start at the very top. We started with Alien Storm, which I've mentioned on this show before. Yeah. It's a side-scrolling brawler beat 'em up where you are uh, a, a sort of man-type person, a mm-hmm. possibly woman-type person, and a roboty person. <laughs> and the robot person has a whip, which is cool. Indeed. Um, and their special attack is that they blow their arms, legs, and body up, and then a replacement body and arms and legs comes in and picks up the head, which has just landed on the floor. Because that seems fine. It, it reminds me a lot of the new Devil May Cry 5, where you have <laughs> arms that you'll just blow up your, your robotic arm and then, like, stick another one on. Ah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's alright. It's bloody hard. It's, it, it's that sort of that era of coin-op to home conversions of yeah. we have to make it hard. A, a lot of the ones that we're going to talk about here felt very arcade arcade sentiment where it's like a lot of these things it feels impossible to get through scenarios without taking damage or at least unrealistic yeah. because they want you to guzzle through your, yeah. your, your tokens. And the problem with home conversions for that is you could only ever get like you know, a few continues. And yeah. Whereas, in theoretically, you can have many if you want. I've you? always been a fan of um, arcade convert ports to consoles where they just give you a button that will add more tokens because it's like, fuck it. Offer I... free play. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there will still be people because people play hardcore games all the time. Yeah. There will still be people who want to go, well, that's it. I've run out of credits. Uh, like, I've used my one credit. Yeah, I I like when free play is an option, particularly yeah. in collections like this. It seems yes. a shame not to include it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with even though it's connection, it's not a collection of something like say arcade games. With yeah. a main emulator, it'd be much easier to just go have a button that does it. Yeah, but because it is actually like you know classic games. You would have to do a little bit of reprogramming I, I to, to add that. But... But, like, maybe even a cheat menu or something yeah. would have been an option. Because I'm sure, like... Because some of the ones we played had some of their old cheats disabled, for example. Yeah, I think that's a mechanical issue rather than uh, an issue yeah. with the thing. Because there's a, a cheat in Golden X 2 where you hold down the uh, special power button, I think, from, like, the beginning of the level until after the end credits. Yeah. Um, or, or until after, after you've... Um, fault the little imp guys between yeah, like, main yeah. levels and and it used to give you just like tons and tons of magic power yeah and it doesn't seem to work on this version i don't know if yeah. that's a thing but i believe like the sonic up down left right a star yeah. still works i i did have i did have fun with golden x2 when we played some <laughs> of that i like riding around on the dinosaur the things on the, on the dragons I like dragon dragon Next one we play for Skull next two. I like the one that breathes fire. I like the one with the little swishy tail that looks a bit like a battle axe. The pink and, pink and yellow <laughs> That one. one's very good. It's always been my favourite. <laughs> yeah, I played a bit of that. Again, we didn't get very far. I was oh no, dwarf. actually, we, we played on easy. You were giddy yeah. thunderhead. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. Did, we did pretty alright. We, we played on easy, so we got as far as you can get in that version. Yeah. I taught you about just standing in one position so that enemies will just walk off ledges. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is always entertaining. And then the next one we did was Streets of Rage 3. Uh, uh, Zan wears Heelys. Yeah, there's an old man who wears Heelys. I, I played as the, the, the roller skates kid. You played a skate and then the old man with Heelys. Yeah, I was just like, what? I've got a knife. A knife. <laughs> I got stabbed. a knife. You just stabbed people on roller skates. It was great. Yeah, you were doing pretty well at that. Um, Yeah. A Streets of Rage 3 is probably the one I've played least of. Yeah. Um, but it's the one I always end up sort of popping into in collections like this more recently because I know I never played them as a kid. Well, I'm always up for playing more of it if you like. I feel like we should have a go at uh, Streets of Rage like 1 and 2 at some point. Literally any of them. Point me in front of a game, I will play it with you. Or see if we can find a download <laughs> link for um, the Streets of Rage fan remake that ran Ooh. for years. And I think it's like every single Streets of Rage level plus a possible, like some extra ones... All of the Streets of Rage music, all of the characters, plus loads of extra characters. Um, Like, they put so much work in it. And then I think just before Streets of Rage 4 got announced, um, there was a cease and desist. It'll be out. Oh, that got shut down. It'll be out there, though, because if it's on the internet, it'll exist forever. I definitely think we should play that sometime, because I I hear that's pretty damn good. I am up for giving that a go. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the last one we played that night was uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, which I've never really played a lot of Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. And we, we got you pretty... got really into it. Yeah, we got pretty deep in. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to because immediately afterwards you were like, we should play more of that. I'm like, yes, yeah. I we we were nowhere close to getting the full ten bits of the ship. We, we had what two or three bits of ship. We were up to like the thirteenth uh, level, I think. Uh, yeah, thirteenth. We hit the thirteenth floor. I seem to vaguely remember there's a, something you can do on like the thirteenth or fourteenth floor that involves a hot tub. And oh. um, will take you to a secret level zero. Okay. I think that's how it works. Well, it was very small last time I tried this cheat. Yeah, but for anyone who's not played it, it's incredibly 80s with all of the bowling alley carpet <laughs> backgrounds. All of the backgrounds do, in fact, look like bowling alley carpets. Yeah, you're two aliens in the 80s trying to, like, you have no attacks or anything. You have to just not take damage from humans and devils and... Cupids and whatnot. Uh, yeah, you go get, get food and open mysterious boxes that you'll have no idea what they'll do. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be good, sometimes they'll be bad. And if yeah. you're unfortunate, you will fall off the end of the world. Yeah, I I liked that on the co-op on that. If one of you fell off the world and fell down to the level below, you could just keep going and like be playing on separate levels yeah. and just be like, I'll get back to you in a minute. Yeah, there was a little bit of slowdown occasionally, but like. It wasn't a real problem, considering that like, we were quite impressed that it yeah. load both loaded both levels. Um, yeah. The only thing was that like whoever was on the highest level couldn't go up another level. Yeah, they had to just wait for the other person to come back. Which is fair. fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Um, yeah, it's um, always nice when you can have like go off and do separate things and then come back and join each other later, particularly like that far apart in the levels. Yeah, and it was it was nice to because I've never played it with another person, so it was nice to be able to just go let's split up and and take a bit of the level each. I I certainly got higher than I've ever done. I have done ever have done on Tajemano before. Yeah. So reached some maximum levels, and I'm you know quietly cautious about how um, Tajemano uh, back in the groove is yeah. going to be. I've watched a video on that recently. It's got some elements from one and two, so I I am up for playing either more of the original or the new one or both at some point. I think we should definitely play more of the original. Yeah, I'm up for that. Mm, so what else you got? 
I've started playing a PlayStation VR game that I'd heard good things about and hadn't gotten around to before. The Tetris Effect. Uh, no, <laughs> funny that. I've, I've played Tetris Effect already. I got around to playing Astrobot, uh, Astrobot on, on PlayStation VR. So this is a game that is like made by, I think, Japan Studios from Sony and is uh, you play... You play like a big. You're like a god looking down into a sandboxy world where a little robot's running around trying to save people and mm. and find its friends and get them kicked back into the controller, and then you've got to do some some bosses and stuff. Yeah, and the bosses are really interesting in that. Yeah, so I like the tentacles. I'll talk about the level, the main levels first. So it's not a particularly long game. It's got I think like twenty five levels split into five worlds of five levels each. What really works about it is. You're moving along sort of on track, so the movement isn't too much of a motion sickness issue. Mm. And it's really smart about how it uses its knowledge of where you are on this rail to sort of reward you for thinking to look in places that you might not think to look in. Mm. Um, the obscuring of your view and how that interacts with a platformer controlling this little robot's really interesting. Sense of scale and lighting is great. Yeah, um, the te um, texture effects are really nice. In that yeah, game. all of the like level designs are really solid. Mm. Um, there was a level that we were playing last night where we we're in that very dark cave with just like the 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 light on the walls near me. Mm. Uh, that one was really good. The one with the the carts was really fun. Yeah, it was nice to have that smooth the motion out for you. So although the yeah. robot was going all over the place, up and down, and, and jumps and stuff you were very much sort of statically in a moving vehicle yeah it's All it's around. just some very smart design decisions um for a a platformer that you you are in vr looking at that world um if anyone's played the playstation uh the collection of playstation stuff that had the little robot platformer in it that was one of the psvr collections it's basically a, a game of that, but polished up and put on a bigger scale, and it's really, really quite cool. Mm. Um, the bosses are all pretty fantastic. They're huge, and the 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 scale and the ways you interact with them are really interesting. Mm. Like uh, talking a little bit about the first one, you're like you're a little tiny robot. You're helping them fight a big gorilla creature. Um, that's I think it's called uh, the Tooth Fairy, and it's got the it's a gorilla with these big teeth, and you've got a its pull its out. teeth out, basically, and beat beat up its teeth and pull them out um, until it has no teeth. It's it's very it's very odd. It's a gummy uh, gorilla. Yeah, it's. I'm really like I'm really liking uh, Astrobot so far. The only real complaint I have is that game requires oh. you to be far, far, far closer to your PlayStation camera than any other PSVR game does. And if you play it too far back, you will drift too You will far. slowly start drifting, and the game does not have the ability to just hold down the options button to recenter like your position as forward. Like every other VR. Yeah, every other game on PlayStation VR supports it other than this one, and I don't know why. Um... You could maybe stand up, you could maybe bring the camera like close to like so it's right in front of your face rather than on your telly, but it's weird that it its settings are so different to every play uh, every oh. other PSVR game. Uh yeah, what else have you been playing? What else have I been playing? Well That will require me to have a look through my list. Uh ooh, ooh, we played some board games. We played yeah. some board games. We played uh Pixie Queen. Yes, we did. Hi! That is a game that requires some explaining. Yeah, it 
now that we know how to play it, it feels a lot like uh, Lords of Waterdeep in its yeah. uh, setup. It's it's a board game where you play pixies that are trying to make the pixie queen happy, and every turn she'll want a specific type of resource, and everyone puts resources in the middle with like their hand closed and upturns it. Mm-hmm. If no one gives her the resource that she asked for, she gets very mad and no one gets their rewards. But she does take all of their offerings. Indeed. Um, but if at least one person gives the queen what she wants, then everyone gets rewarded and you can give her stuff that's not the thing she asked for to get some different rewards. It's this sort of bluffing game of like, wh- wh- who's going to put in what like, do I risk not putting in the thing the Queen has asked for? Because you can only put one type of resource in. It's like, if I'm taking a risk, I'm hoping that X person has put some in. And then the other part of the game is about resource allocation. Like, there's a board with you can collect different kinds of resources depending where you put your tokens. And depending on who's first in the order gets first pick of what resource they want to claim, and... Like, if you claim a resource, no one else can claim it. It's very Lords of Waterdeep in that aspect mm. of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, a worker placement game, so there is sort of that aspect of things. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. It took a lot of explaining. I, I'm starting to wonder if, if actually just reading the rules rather than looking up videos might not have just worked out slightly better. I, I understood it far more when I read that back page of the instruction booklet that was just, here, here is, is the, the quick guide. Here is the symbols on the various spaces and here's what that space will do for you. Yeah. There is a lot going on in that game. There's like five different steps. Yeah, because you, be, you can be aiming for a lot of different things. You can be collecting resources to give the queen. You can be moving up and down the gold and silver track. You can be paying for that row that keeps getting more expensive to get points. You can be getting your pixies up to the top of the board to get points. Or you can do something else for points, and I can't remember what the other thing was. Oh, making gold rings. Yes, gold rings for points. There was a lot of things to be doing. And once we got a couple of turns in and we're like, oh, I get get what I'm doing. I understand it It, now. It was a really fun game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I look forward to a much more yeah. organised game next time. Yeah, I think playing it through, we learnt some stuff like, okay, even though that, that roll that gets more expensive every, every time you do it starts at low points, mm. go for that, because it's really easy to get those early and they add up quick. We also had some issues with the fact that we set up slightly oh. strangely. We hadn't set up, like... The food economy we put economy from highest to lowest, balked. and it should have been lowest to highest. Yes, we yeah we 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 made some mistakes, but we worked it out as we went, yeah. and it was a really fun. Yeah, it game. plays in like sixty to ninety minutes, so it is like a, a longer game to to sit for. But but yeah, I'll be yeah. interested to to see that. Yeah. Speaking of, of board games, I had uh, had some news. I've got some incoming games on their way from Ooh, my which, other Kickstarters. Which ones? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. While you look, should I tell you about a game that we played? Tell me about the game that you played or that we uh, played. We played another board game. We played Tiny Epic Defenders. We did, from those people at Gamelin. Yeah, that do Tiny Epic Zombies, which we've talked about before. Tiny, Tiny Epic, Epic Quest, which, which we've, we've talked, talked about, about before. before. This is... Infinitely simpler than Tiny Epic Quest to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging. This one, it's another. We we got like within. We were one attack away from so winning. Close. We were so close, 
the tiny epic people are really good at games that yeah. you will be like right on the fucking line as to whether you can win or not. Yeah, gambling games do have. I've, no, I've not had played one I didn't like yet. Yeah, they've been a, some of them have been a bit like heavy going rules wise, but yeah. like once you get the idea, yeah, all that and quest was really easy to explain. Yeah, yeah, once we we got it. Yeah, and it's it's cooperative, yeah. so there is that aspect, and it, the, the, yeah, I'll... it was another one where although it's cooperative, I didn't feel like it ever created a situation where someone was potentially able to just override everyone. Yeah, so... you can get that with some board games. Yeah, so the basic idea with Tiny Epic Defenders is you've got seven cards, um, you've got a big city to defend in the middle, and then six of them making a circle around it, and they're all different areas. Um, so it'd be like the coast, the desert, the forest, the plains, and you've got this deck of cards you turn over, and attacks will happen on various areas. And you basically need to get your group of people into position to be putting out fires, fighting monsters as they show up, and every time around another monster or set of attacks gets added to the deck, and you keep just trying to survive and not take too much damage, mm. right up until this big monster shows up, and then you go beat the big monster. Um, and each area has special abilities, like the coast you could spend some of your action points to fully heal, which... That was a godsend. Don't know how you would play this game without the coast as a, a card. Um, and your your characters all have different abilities, but it's basically spend one action, one of your actions every turn to move a square, uh, a couple, however many actions to put out fires and fight monsters. It's a simple thing, but it's all just team position management. Yeah, I'm. It got, it... Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It gets a little hectic towards the end. Yeah. I like that um, I get the impression that there's going to be a lot of variety with it because apart from the capital city, the six cards surrounding can go either way up. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of variety there. And in any position. And in any position. Then you've also got the fact that you can only move in and out of the capital at, like, two points. Yeah. So there are some things that are going to be slightly further away from yeah. like, where you might be at any given time. And then also you've got the fact that like, the uh, monster deck is completely random as well. Yes. And is compiled before the game starts. So the chances that you will have whole different things... A whole well, different adventures on any given time. So we only played this in four player, but our friends who brought it over have played it in two player, and they said it it did it, not scale well. It feels impossible at two players, even though the game says it can be played two player, and mm. I totally believe it because how the fuck would it would we have survived? Because you need to be everywhere at once. Yes, and if you can't be everywhere at once, you won't die. Yeah, maybe if it was like only four possible places you could go. Yeah, like if there was some way of doing that. I, I think definitely play this with four people or maybe five. Yeah, don't play this solo. Yeah, but the gaming games are, are like they come in sort of fairly small boxes. Yeah. They they take up a lot of space generally, but they're easy they to transport nice to it like a friend's house. Very easy. Oh, to all the little items like the meeple can hold. Yeah, and these ones can have back items. That yeah, you can have like wings. Slots. Uh, yeah, one of our friends uh, had wings. I ended up with a cloak. Um, somebody had a hammer and a spear. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a good one. I do like the gambling games games. Uh, did you find out what Kickstarter games you've got coming? Yeah, uh, Village Pillage is, oh, is on its yes. way, and uh, Streets of Steel, which I should mm. have remembered because it's the one that's basically a side-scrolling beat 'em up done as a uh, card game. 
Nice. So yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing that come. Uh, so you played one other thing this week. I did. Uh, yeah, I briefly sat down with uh, Build a Bridge. Tell me about Build a Bridge. You build a bridge and you try and get things across it. I think it's been out on Steam for like forever. Yeah. And possibly PS4. Yeah, um, yeah you use various um, equipment, materials to, to build bridges across gaps. And hope that the vehicles survive. It sounds a lot like Bridge Constructor Portal yeah, it's, that it's... I played very like a and while the other, back. And the other Bridge Bridge Constructor yeah. games. Well. It's basically that. Honestly, not my jam. No, it wasn't my jam either. Which well, is why I played it for maybe 40 minutes. That's okay. So, I think that's everything we've played this yes. week. So, <gasps> time for this. Right, come on in, come on in. Um, I've I've been working on something, and I think I think you're going to be excited about my new uh, my my new plan here. I'm pretty excited. So um, we got this problem. Sometimes people need to be detained, but it's not really you know applicable to you know all forces down tackle them to handcuff a person. You know, maybe someone's suspected of a crime, but we can't you know we haven't proved it's them and. You know, we need them to not go anywhere while we work it out. But also, you know, it's inhumane to, to you know, chuck them in a cell or something. So you're suggesting, like, if someone's found with a small quantity of marijuana. Exactly. And we need to, you know, keep them there just long enough to go... Did you steal anything to get that? No? Okay, you can head off. You know, that sort of level of thing where you just need to make sure that... You know, they they weren't doing anything actually bad. Yes, yes. Yeah, so is I I got a new plan. I think I think this is a brilliant one. Keep me, I'm excited. I uh, I'm thinking the new new prison prisoning tech. Cats on laps. Cats on laps. Yeah, yeah, no, hear me out, hear me out. You what? take the person that you need to keep in place for a bit, you just put a sleeping cat on their lap, because as we know, it is a crime. Of moral moral proportions to move a sleeping cat. No one will do it. No, no, like, no right thinking person would do it. You'd have to be a hardened criminal, and at that point, you might as well be wearing the handcuffs. Exactly. If someone moves the sleeping and leg cat, shackles. Exactly. So that's my thinking. Is you know, we give them the option of 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 a, a non-invasive, non-improper. Uh, you know, there's some dignity to imprisoning them. And if they do get rid of the cat, then either they have a cat allergy or they're a horrible monster. Either way, we're going to throw them in the handcuffs. What if they become institutionalised? Well, they just get a cat of their own, take it home, have a cat at home. What if they've developed a special bond with our specially trained police cats? Take that one home, we'll have a new police cat. Right. Well, I suppose there's not much training, really. You're just trying to make him sleep. Yeah, you just got to have a nice cat that likes to sleep. Yeah, seems fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Now, I I will say, you're going to have to go be in charge of that, because I was testing this theory out, and I am never going to be able to move again. This cat is having too good of a nap. Oh, such a beautiful kitty. Oh, I know. If, if anything, is too effective of an imprisoning method. I think there's going to be a lot of institutionalised people. <laughs> How about this? When we need to get the cuffs off, I'll shake this bag of dreamies. Oh, you got a good plan there, my friend. How you doing? 
I'm assuming all right. I've um, I've been, as you can see, I've been putting on the uh, the pounds a bit this week, but uh, yeah, yeah, you seem to have uh, really, really, uh, really bulked up there. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's 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 midweek. You see, you know how the weeks are. It's too busy getting everything done. I'm going over here, going over there, collecting up all the uh, all the stuff you got to collect up yeah, during the yeah, week. Yeah. I've I've just had no time to have a you know a good old proper release. True, though, I mean, although there has been a, a lot of gathering this week, I almost uh, almost let a little out yesterday, but I uh, managed to keep it together. I'm going to save myself for the weekend. I'm oh. stealing myself. That's it. You got to really just let it all go at the weekend. That's yeah, that's absolutely. really your time to uh, just let it all out. Absolutely. It's when the, there's the most people around that can really enjoy you. Just really just letting you letting your hair down, letting it all go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure the people down there much care for our rain, but well, no. But you know that they're not there to enjoy it. It's for the ducks. It's for the ducks. I like the ducks. Oh, I like ducks too. So. <gasps> What have you put in your eyes? Uh, we continued watching Black Lightning. Something else uh, that made me cry this week. Yeah, we made it up to season two of Black Lightning, mm-hmm. and that show continues to be really a really strong, solid uh, show. Yeah, it's it has yet to lessen in quality, which. I was surprised enough we got a DC show that was good in season <laughs> one. I did not expect it to stay as good in season two. That's true. Although, to be fair, I quite like the first season of Gotham, so... Yeah, yeah, Gotham was another one that had a good... Like, its first and second season were pretty good. Um, Maybe it's... I don't know, maybe it's not just DC. Maybe it's something about particular branches of DC that just don't work for me. Maybe DC can make TV shows, but not... Maybe. Maybe that's it. Is there... Yeah, they're not used to trying to tell a full story in two hours. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. they they need that serialisation. But like, I have really enjoyed Black Lightning. I I sort of started when was it? Sort of earlier this year. I think you were away for a weekend, and I yeah, just sat yeah. down and, and binged like six or seven episodes. And then obviously yeah. we're now like all the way through season one, which I think was like thirteen episodes. Mm. And in like episode two of season two. I would like to see more of that. I, I, oh, obviously, gosh. I don't know. We we are going to binge through season two pretty fast. Yeah, and then what? Then what do? Uh, <laughs> who, but, who knows? But yeah, um, yeah. I I thought it was really quite good with the whole um, that kid who has been you know, sort of a shining beacon of standing up for what he believes in. Yeah. Um, sort of standing up and and saying the thing back to uh, the principal. Yeah. And it's just like that was really powerful. Yeah. And, this... Yeah. That that show is like it's striking such a good balance yeah. of comedy and family drama and seriousness and superhero shit and yeah. it does it's, it does some origin well. stories without really like yeah. dragging through it it's like some of the Marvel stuff has introduced new powers without like belaboring the point yeah oh we got a new power let's sit and discuss that for a week yeah yeah um. So, other things we watched that made us cry this week, and we're going to be spoiler-free on this because we know that, like, it hasn't aired in some places yet, and it's if it has aired for you, it hasn't been out long, so you might not have seen it. And we might do a spoiler cast separately. Yeah, we're we're thinking of doing a spoiler cast, but we watched that Steven Universe finale, and oh heck, that was a good 45 minutes of Steven Universe. It was? Yeah, um... (laughs) We 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 don't know at this moment if that is the end of the series, other than the movie that's coming. But like, if the show ends here, 
I'm I'm okay with that. I don't know what the movie's got left to cover at this point. Yeah, yeah, we we were having this point of like they didn't answer every question. They left us with things to ponder as an audience, but that's how you finish a big story arc. Yeah. They answered the things we needed and finished and gave us closure without closing it off so they couldn't tell any more stories. Yeah. It it was real good. Mm. Real good. Yeah, I am I'm curious to see See where they go with it, and and will the the comic books do a thing? Yeah, there's definitely room for comic stories. Um, yeah, what I said this to you when we were discussing this after dinner was, it reminds me a lot of Voltron, in that there's a lot of shows that I want them to end, not because I'm not enjoying them, but because I don't want them to have that point where they start going downhill. Mm. I, I often a show if it's good I want it to just end while it's good so I have like a nice contained parcel of good show and I kind of feel the same way about this like I'd be very okay if this was how they finished the main story and never tried to build up another big arc and we're just like that's the big arc done yeah I'm curious like what do now yeah. I was trying to remember the name of the movie uh, what is the movie called? Uh, the Heart of the Crystal Gems. Ah, well, I'm I'm excited for that because that 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 was a heckin'. If you haven't seen it, the finale is like forty five minutes long, and I, I I told a couple of, of of friends of mine who've been a bit behind on Steven Universe. I was like, now is the time to get caught up and to, to watch from from wherever you got to because you won't have to deal with those annoying pauses of months between episodes. And it will lead you up to a satisfying conclusion. Mm. It won't leave you on a cliffhanger that you have to wait months for. Yeah. Plenty of good cosplay options. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what have you watched? Oh, what have I watched? What are you putting your eyes? Uh, well, you'll have to give me a moment to get back to my thing. <laughs> well, if you look, I can tell you another thing that we put in our eyes. What did we watch in our eyes, please? Uh, we continued to watch The Good Place. Um, we did? Yeah, that that show has gone in an interesting direction. I did not see it going, as it is wont to do. Its discussions of morality continue to be interesting and valid and varied. Yeah. So, that's a good one. Also, I enjoyed the joke about the time knife. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed some of the memes about the time knife. Yeah, there was that one particular (laughs) meme of, yes, yes, we've all seen the time knife. (laughs) And have you seen the time knife, Jane? Um, um, I refuse to answer that question <laughs> on the grounds it may help to incriminate myself or others. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with seeing the time knife every now and again. Exactly, <laughs> as long as you're fully matured of, of mind and so forth. Yes. So set what and it, setting, set what, and setting. What have you put in your eyes? Set uh, and setting. Uh, well, I watched the thing today. Um, Ocarina of Time, a masterclass in subtext. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's uh, by Good Blood on YouTube. I don't know anything about them, so... Hopefully they won't milkshake duck everywhere. Um, and it talks about um, like why Ocarina of Time is the saddest Zelda story. Oh yeah. And they, they they talk about how like the in the designs for Zelda's in general there has been this sort of especially more recently this talk of of sadness overall yeah. and, and how that is dealt with by the various characters and there yeah. is a lot of like loss and and so forth in. That's very explicit in in the other Zeldas. But uh, in this one, obviously, they're talking about, like, how um, it ties into Shinto. 
because mm. obviously uh, Miyamoto um, was like a, a follower of Shinto and yeah, stuff, yeah. and like how they talk about how like there's certain influences in the Zelda games that you'll see. Obviously, things like the the gate archway things. Yes. Um, and yeah, there was there was some really interesting st- stuff about that and about uh, growing up. Yeah. How um, the only thing that can kill Ganon is the Master Sword. Yeah. That final slash has to be with the Master Sword. Yeah. And the Master Sword represents like the left behind childhood. Yeah. The 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 leaving the forest was also leaving yeah. behind childhood because he couldn't go back yeah. without a fairy I, or as as yeah. Navi leaves. Yeah. And then uh, obviously in Twilight Princess we learned that the hero of time ended up becoming a Stalfos. So must have wandered back into the. The Lost Woods at some point, uh, the Kukori Forest at some point, yeah. just like everyone else, and that's kind of sad. Yeah, there's a lot of sad stuff about that game, like the whole idea of like having to leave behind the only family you've ever known and find out you're not actually mm-hmm. part of that. Like, his finding out he's not one of the Kikiri is a proper earth-shattering thing to drop on a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, totally right what you were mentioning about the Master Sword in that, like. It's really sad when you think of the fact that he never had the chance to grow up. He's a child thrown into an adult body and forced to be like, you're an adult now, go kill that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you watch that last cutscene where he like fucking stabs Ganon in the face, it's like, mm. that's, that's a kid who has had to be like, I have to stop playing with my friends and go stab a thing. Yeah. Like, even in the timelines where he gets sent back to his childhood so he can live out his childhood, he's not really going back to his childhood. No, and he's... also, isn't the, the yeah. Deku Tree dead at that point? Oh, anyway? you know, the Deku Tree is dead. Uh, and the other thing to talk about is, as oh, again, like to have where it ties back into Shinto about how, like, the offerings made to the gods, the fact that, like, the, all the child dungeons are quite childlike and, pl- yeah. and there's, like, a sort of playfulness to them. Yeah. But then at the same time, there is, like, the fact that you're entering bodies in every time. Yeah. So you've got, like, the, the you're entering Jabu Jabu, you're entering uh, the Great Deku Tree, you're entering Dodongo Cavern, which is clearly, like, skeletal yeah. in structure as you, as you move into it. So, um, yeah. Also, one that's just come to my mind, and again, I've not seen the video, don't know if this is dis- discussed in it, uh, the leaving behind of every single one of his childhood friends. Yeah, um, yeah c- because like, they all become sages. Yep. So he's got to leave behind uh, Saria, mm-hmm. um, um, R- Princess Ruto, mm-hmm. uh, Darun- yeah, Darunia. Mm-hmm. He-, he has to leave behind everyone from his childhood. Yeah. They all they all move on and he can't be with them. Yeah, which is very sad. All left behind and the the sort of archetypes of like, um, Saria the sort of sister friend and yeah. then like um, Daruni is the D- big brother. Daruni the big brother and then obviously the potential um, marriage partner. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of sadness if you stop and think about that game for like more than a minute. Yeah. So um, that was it's it's like a. 35 minute thing on YouTube. Ah. Uh, so yeah, and that is uh, Ocarina of Time, a masterclass in subtext by the uh, by Good Blood. Ah, yeah. That, that was an interesting watch. Have you watched anything else? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Well then, time for this. Ooh. Laura, Laura, we've got
got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Our sponsor this week is Revolutionary Guillotines. <gasps> Tell me more. Well, as you may know, we're due a revolution any day now. I hear it's coming. Any day, we're finally going to do something about all the nonsense. Absolutely. We're going to deal with the 1%. We're going to deal with the corrupt MPs. And what are you going to need at a time like that? That's right. A good, solid, handcrafted guillotine. Something that... I- is this built well enough that I could go through a politician's neck if required? Uh, you could go through the whole of Parliament. <gasps> oh my goodness, this sounds like a good... This sounds like a steal. Now, now I... Just like the blade of our guillotine. Exactly. And you know what? This offer's so good, heads will roll. Absolutely. Just like the prices, the pennies will be rolling back into your pocket. Just like the heads rolling off of the shoulders of the rich, the staggeringly, disgustingly rich. So just head over to revolutionaryguillotines.org and you too can organise yourself uh, a little uh, little uh, head chopping party, uh, a little a little uprising there. And uh, if you just enter the code Q and PS fifty one, you will get yourself a fifteen percent discount at checkout. That's revolutionaryguillotines.org. My goodness, that's such a good deal. I'll get a bunch of them and line them up all outside government. Westminster, we're coming to get ya. Thank goodness we live in the UK where saying such things is not an act of treason. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for coming along to my press conference, members of the, uh, the, the tech and media press. I'm very glad to show you what Intel has been working on for the last couple of months. Um... We think you're really going to like this. So, presenting the Laptop Pro. Now, I'm sure, like many of you, have had, you've been in the situation where, you know, you have a laptop, you have a computer, a computer that you can, you know, take where you need to go, but maybe it's not as powerful as you would like. Perhaps you only use your computer at home, and you would like a larger, less portable, but more powerful machine. The Laptop Pro is a computer that is not portable. It is a sort of tower design. It stays in one place and it's more powerful by virtue of not being a a smaller portable device. Does anyone in the press have any questions? Magnet, StoneMonkeyRadio.blog Um, is that not just a desktop computer? Um, no... It's a laptop that cannot be moved and is larger and in a tower shape and not movable and more powerful. So where does the lap part come in of the laptop? Um, well, usually the keyboard will be somewhere above your lap, presumably on a table. On a table? Yes, above your lap. you, you, you might say. It is on a desk, but it is above your lap. So it is on top of a desk. Uh, yes, you could call it a top-desk laptop, I suppose. No further questions? Fantastic! Now, I've heard rumours of, 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 of tower PC desktops. I will have none of it. It's not a thing. Don't listen to the lies. Get our laptop pro. So, <gasps> what have you put into your I have been listening to a few things. Uh, I've been putting on that um, that YouTube channel that does a twenty four hour a day like study chill chill step beats to study to. Oh, lo fi, lo fi, lo fi beats to study to that thing. Um, with the with the girl doing the writing while the sun 
goes up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a couple of tracks from that that I've like really enjoyed that I found. Uh, there was a lot of stuff on there I liked, but I just wanted to nod a couple of tracks. So the first one was a track called Alone by Caleb Belkin. Uh, it's very sort of like... It's very chill rap that f- it reminds me a lot of the way that lyrics sort of bounce around in like a childish Gambino kind of track. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a very childish Gambino sort of vocal line over very soft, gentle, slow, classical piano. Ooh. It's a really good track. I don't know what the name of the piano piece under it is, but it is definitely an existing piece of classical music that mm. is really beautiful. So. It's not a long track, but I would really recommend um, Alone by Caleb Belkin. And the other one I'll recommend is Papava, P-A-P-A-V-E-R, by Fits and Soup, one word, uh, F-L-I-T-Z, the and symbol, S-U-P-P-E. It's, again, some sort of nice chill step. Um, The lyrics are really kind of interesting. They're about... They're kind of they're, they're they're kind of sad. It's 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 bittersweet. It's talking about sleep as respite during tough times, and that sort of there's a there's a turn of phrase he uses in this that I think anyone who's battled with depression can will probably find very familiar. He talks about how he the the person rapping over it, I guess, talks about sometimes I wish I could just go into a coma for like three months because there's just a bit too much world happening and I just want to get to it a bit later. True. I just want a break and I'll come back to it in three months. I'm like, mm, yeah. Yeah, it's the, those kind of observations where you're like, th- that is a thing that if you've had a depression, you can probably go, yep, been there. Mm. Um, I thought that was that was a couple of really nice tracks. Uh what about you? What have you been listening to? Um, well, we listened to some things together while we were playing all them board games. Oh, yeah? Uh, we listened to the uh, Wind Waker soundtrack. Yes, and the main thing that reminded me is I love how that game incorporate, incorporates sword beats and the sort of musical notes attached to those mm-hmm. into its soundtrack. Yeah, and not just things like when you're having the fight um, to train with the sword. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's one thing I miss from Zelda games is the whole every time your sword makes contact, it does a musical emphasis. Yeah, that was really nice. Mm. Definitely, 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 definitely. What else do you listen to? What else have I listened to? Well, we listened to the Twiglet Princess soundtrack. Yeah, which is uh, I quite like the sort of mystery of that. There is a lot of more. It's the stuff from Twilighty bits. It's a lot more somber and mm. atmospheric as opposed to the sort of light-hearted, upbeat melodies of Wind Waker. Yeah, it's it, it's sort of like the difference in art styles. Yes, very much so. Bo- the music is in both cases very reflective of the art style. Mm. Mm. I think uh, they did a really good job with it, and and it's it's one that I do like to come back to quite often. Yeah. Same for another one. Uh, I've got one more. Do you, how many more you got? I've got two more. Okay, you do one, then I'll do one, then you do one. Okay. Uh, Legend of Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony CD. Oh, I have that whole to? CD somewhere. It's so good. It's really good. I I got to see that uh, that symphony concert in London live, and it was it was quite a thing. Yeah, live music of that type is is really quite amazing. Yeah, I do do like things like that. But yeah, I'm, it's I imagine it's pretty powerful in person. 
especially in a room with proper acoustics. Yeah, there's some wonderful, wonderful arrangements in that. I would love for us to put that on on like a good volume sometime. Yeah, and have a have a good listen. Yeah, definitely. We should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, I listened to some more Dessa this week, who was Ooh. that artist that did a track, I believe it's called Shrimp, that I was talking about the other week, that was yeah. like, that sort of very unique, bouncy vocal style. I think I played Shrimp to you. You did play Shrimp to me, you played a few to me. Yeah, it's, that, that one track is definitely like a bit of a standout on that album in terms of really exemplifying like a thing she's very good at, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of other tracks on, uh, I listened through her album Chime. And there were a lot of tracks on there that I very much enjoyed. I just wanted to give a couple of shout-outs to some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, five out of six, uh, Velodrome, and uh, Warsaw from the album Parts of Speech are a couple of just really nice, uh, really nice tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dessa has a really interesting way with how they use their words as a as a vocalist, and I I'm enjoying them. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What's your last thing you listened My to? My last thing I listened to, uh, again, the thing we listened to together was um, Maduka, uh, the Skyrim Bard song cover. Oh, it's yes. It's a really haunting version of it. Yes, like, it is. I've never played Skyrim, but I love some of the music that's come out of it, and that was one of the first ones that I really got into. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of a simple uh, femme vocal, um, like, guitar cover, just like gentle strums. Mm. A little bit of echo on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's everything we've listened to. Yeah. So, time for this. <gasps> Hello, I'd like to make an offer. It's an offer you can't refuse. Um, please take take a seat. I will do. Evilly. <laughs> um. So tell me, you 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 you'd like to apply for a mortgage? Yes. I know what I want, and I will take it by force if required. It uh, says here you're looking to purchase a hollowed-out mountain. Yes! I need enough space to keep all of my evil creations without being detectable by mortal eyes. A mountain is the perfect place to hide in plain sight. Yay! <laughs> Uh, so tell me, um, what do you have as, as collateral? Because I understand you're looking for 2.6 billion. Um, I can offer you some of my evil inventions, which you will know from TV, from times that I've been on the news, from my evil deeds. I have a freeze ray, I can put it as collateral. I, 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 you may have seen it did not work as intended, but it's still a functional freeze ray. I have the, 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 the shrink device, and I will promise you a cut of my evil empire once I am successfully taken over the world. Well, as you know, the bank already has a quite significant uh, evil empire, whereby we squeeze huge amounts of overdraft out of uh, people who can't afford to pay, but uh, I'm sure like a, a bit more in the way of uh, evil empire probably wouldn't hurt so surely surely you can more effectively take money if you point a freeze ray at the people who have not paid or perhaps it's something we'll pass on to our debt collectors but uh, yes i think we could offer you a load uh, congratulations we'll, we'll offer you the yeah, we shall say, oh, uh, my <laughs> evil plan has been successful <laughs> oh god sorry i am full of concentrated evil <laughs> I'm here. <coughs> I will do. Evil signature away. 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I, it, get o- get over here! Get over here! We've we've made first contact. I'm really impressed. So we, they've uh, they've landed. They've landed. This is awesome. I'm so glad. This this is them. This is them. Look at them. This We're is the first our first contact with an alien life form. Behind the jelly thing? No, the, the the jelly thing. It's our. It's the first sapien alien we've ever encountered. You're pulling my leg, right? No, I'm not pulling your leg. Look at it. It's clearly alien. There is nothing like this on Earth that that can hover in this way and that has this many arms and that has prehensile noses. Like that's not a thing we have on Listen, our planet. I, I, I have watched a lot of BBC sci-fi from like the 60s through to the 90s. I know what aliens look like. They're like blue humans and they all speak English. I'm not aware that that was because of budgetary restrictions on making sci-fi shows. The chances of us finding humanoid life out there is infinitely smaller than finding non-humanoid life. You're a a languages and communication expert. You were meant to be prepared for alien life and how we were going to communicate with it. To be honest, for the first 20 years I was kind of impressed they came in color. Oh my god, we're doomed. (laughs) How are you doing? If I was Deanna Troy, I'd know what to do. <laughs> uh. Question time! Stuff questions! What's the questions? Uh, James would like to know, uh, what are your thoughts on intelligent... Uh, what are your thoughts on if intelligence changes depending on how you spend your time or who you spend it with or if it's just behaviour or practice? I think it can be an infinite number of factors. I think intelligence as a single thing to measure is a really complicated issue. We treat it like you can go, that person is smart, that person is not. But usually what we're talking about when we say intelligence is ability to retain and regurgitate on demand uh, purely academic information. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually that is what people mean by intelligence, and I think that... Depending on whether you have a teacher that's engaging and teaches you in ways that are memorable can make a difference on that measure of intelligence. I think the learning resources available to you, be it having good textbooks, access to computers, access to good uh, like one-on-one tutoring, those are all things that can have an impact on that measure of intelligence. Mm. I think for most people, intelligence, the way you sh- it should be looked at is as a measure of how you apply pun how you apply the knowledge yeah how you apply that how you apply what you know mm. and that could be a dozen different things like if we talk about intelligence we usually say like ah this is an intelligent child they are taking their science exams a year early but you could i think you could just as easily say this person is incredibly good at football and very good at thinking out like Knowing where they should be to get that good shot in, I think that 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 is a, that is intelligence. Well, according Even to the dictionary, intelligence is the ability to apply uh, and uh, uh, to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. Yeah. So yeah, I guess your football one works there with your yeah. with your athlete that's got to make split second decisions about positioning and so forth. I, I, um, but yeah, I think um, back I, to the back to the original yes, question. Yes. I think. Um, so yeah, your thoughts on intelligence uh, changes depending on how you spend your time. 
Um, yeah, but, well, the definition of intelligence is your ability to acquire knowledge, so although you might acquire trivia from watching EastEnders every single episode, every single week, you might not find that that is the most useful intelligence to have. But then, if you decided to start up an EastEnders fan site, that's you learning and applying that knowledge. I'm not criticising anyone for watching EastEnders. No, 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 but that's... Yeah, I... I think the thing is, is there are definitely ways you can spend your time that will better result in traditional views of intelligence. Yeah, but You could like, study forever, but you won't necessarily yeah. have the street smarts. Yeah, like, I, I think there's a lot of people who are billed as intelligence but have no idea how to actually apply what they've learned because they're just very good at regurgitation. Yeah. I, I, I think... You and I both have yeah. had that, though, from... Yeah. And, and possibly for similar reasons. Like, mm. we acquired very specific knowledge in very specific fields, and we could regurgitate it, and for a while that got us some measure of popularity. Yes, it did. I, yeah. Here's the thing. I think most people in this world, no matter what they're doing or how they're spending their time or who they're spending it with, they are gaining new knowledge of some kind and applying it in some way, even if that's... Maybe it's learning what kind of things make your friends laugh and using that to make them laugh more effectively next time. Mm -hmm. It's all intelligence and... yeah. yeah um, how it changes? Um, I guess it changes by virtue of what information you're soaking up. Yeah. So you can use it intelligently, but it might not be useful to some hypothetical greater something. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's that. Uh, Becky Two here would like to know uh, what is your dream holiday? No budget, time limit, or constraints of reality. Hmm. Holiday to the moon. There's not much there. There's not Maybe much Alpha there, Centauri. but I, up into space. I want. I want to do a holiday where I can float around in zero gravity. I'd like to do the zero gravity thing. I'd like yeah. to visit another civilization, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'd like to. I'd really like to go to the Lake District at some point because I hear it's really pretty. I'd really like to chill on a in in the in the baking hot in the nice warm sun on a completely private island with people waiting on a sand and foot and oh, lots and lots of jobs to that. do. <laughs> I don't know if I could cope. No, with that. you can no. cope with just whatever food you want on this side, whatever drink you want on this side, and here's just some drugs. Yeah, but I don't like anyone. I don't like. People bringing me things. I like to be able to go and get my own Okay, things. maybe maybe there's just a very nice, well-stocked kitchen. Yeah. Just off the beach. Yeah. And there's some nice beds. Yeah. In, a, in like, a, there's a house, but we can just go out the front. It's like, here's just our beach. The beach for a while. Yeah. But I think everyone should get a go on the beach. I think so, too. But I think also, like, we, us and our friends should just be able to chill and be like, it's our beach. Because then we can go swimming. And no Today one, it's our beach. No one will, no one, no one will judge, because it's our beach. Exactly. I can get a, a tan below my waistline. Yeah. No, I'm fine. Uh, yeah. Um, I would, yeah, I'd like to do a resty thing. Maybe not too hot, because... I'm, I'm partly Scottish, so yeah. prone to I, burning. At some point, I'd like to go to Canada. Just to oh, be I'd able... love to go to Canada. Yeah, I I would like to take myself, and uh, and we we could go to Canada, and that'd be nice. I I I, I used to have a plan where I was going to learn to um, drive trains because I heard that the like London Underground has some some of the world's highest sort of standards for safety of uh, mm. uh, train drivers. My plan was I was going to drive trains for the underground for about five years and then move to Canada and just drive trains across Canada. Oh. Like, can you imagine that? Just like, look, yeah. it's beautiful and it's beautiful there I... and it's beautiful there and moose. 
Yeah. I have my own, like, stuff going on in my head. I would like to go to Canada just to be like, fuck you, I got here. That'd be a thing. That'd be nice. Yeah, I would definitely like to do Canada. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, quite, maybe like a little quiet cottage somewhere in the woods. Yeah. Just like, no one for miles, and just me, and then... You know, maybe one night just get like loads of little fairy lights and just drape them around loads oh. of trees and just have like a, a woodland party. Put with lots friends. of music on really loud, just alone in the woods. Yeah, yeah, that directional nice. though, so as not to disturb all the wildlife around. Indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to sort of just have a nice quiet space with lots of nature around. Yeah, and and yeah, and not really worried about anyone bothering me or me bothering anyone else. Arachnovolts, spider facts, spider facts. Arachnovolts got spider facts. What's the spider facts? It's not. It's just that. That's, ah, just the, the spider That's Arachno's theme tune now. Ah, okay. I've decided. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I would like to know, have you seen the Fire Festival deck documentaries on either Netflix or Hulu, and what did you think? Uh, I haven't seen the Netflix one yet, but we watched one on YouTube recently yeah. to, to get reminders back up on the, all the details. That That is a weird nonsense story, and I'm always mm-hmm. up for more staring at that particular train wreck. Yeah, and then with that... That actually put us on a whole little spin for like a few hours, didn't it? Because we watched yeah. that, and then we watched the thing about um, I forgot the name. Dragon? No, not Dragon. Um, oh, um, the the Tumblr convention. Dream? No, it was Dashcon. Dashcon. I knew I had yes. a D. Yes, we watched the da- we watched some stuff <laughs> about Dashcon, and we were just reminding ourselves of like spectacular train wrecks. Yeah, and then we talked about the one, the uh, was it Twitch, uh, t- um, Tumblr one recently? Yeah, Dashcon, the was... Tumblr one. No, 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 the other one where people were dying in the heat outside, and that person like gave themselves like a week to organise it. Oh, Fire Festival. That was Fire Festival. Yeah, that was Fire Festival. I swear there was another one. No, I don't think so. It wasn't on an island because Fire Festival was on an island. Yeah, are you, was, was there one not on an island? Yeah, there was another one in America somewhere. I, I will oh, look it up at some point. Was this? Was this? I don't think we talked about this. Too many people turned up. Is this the YouTube? Is this the YouTuber? Yeah. Yes, the YouTuber one that was going on the same time as VidCon. Um, yes. Jenna was it? No, that was it. Yeah, was it Jenna Marbles or someone like that? Something no. Like that. Whoever it was, the one that was going on at the same time as VidCon. I yeah, that's that's a whole one that happened. Yeah, with this, we, we've we've been on a bit of a thing for that recently. Like. Yeah, I'd be very up for at some point watching the Fire Festival like lengthy documentary. Yeah, I mean if we if we have access to it, I'm yeah, happy it's to on Netflix. Netflix. Oh, I like me yeah. Netflix. Uh, right, uh, Bethany Turner is going to dye their hair blue. Uh, not aquamarine Ooh. like you, but a deeper blue. Um, I have recommended one in uh-huh. the chat group already because I knew I would forget to look it up again <laughs> later on today. So we did that. Uh, <laughs> give me a minute. Uh, so I recommended uh, Manic Panic High Voltage Blue Moon because it's vegan and it's really dark. And you had your hair that colour before, back uh-huh. when you used to have really dark blue. Yeah, yeah, before I went all light blue. And Bethany's got sort of brown brown hair, so I reckon that will come out nice and dark. Oh, I reckon so, yeah. She's aiming for sort of that colour. Oh, yeah, no, that will do the trick. Also, that is an epic persona. Yeah, it was a very cool picture. Mm-hmm. Right, back to the rest of the questions. <laughs> uh, Jason Lee, given the recent runaway success of the H-Bomber Guy fundraiser, what are the best and wor- worst things about being an actual real-life mermaid? Uh, hmm. Uh, you get to swim underwater for as long as you want mm-hmm. without uh, having to ha- having to hold your breath. That's cool. You can learn uh, to their death. Yeah, 
Uh, you can't walk on the land. That kind of sucks. Legs are pretty cool sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's difficult to dance with a fishtail. You can dance in three dimensions with a fishtail. Uh, not on the land, you can't. And no. it's difficult to put speakers underwater. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure people have done it. Probably, but there's not so many. There's not so Jam many raves under the sea. Well, maybe there should be <laughs> thirty thousand ravers under the sea. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, If you had to play a game against death to win your soul, what would it be? Competitive dick sucking. <laughs> um. Original generation Yu-Gi-Oh! Ooh. Back from when I was really good at it. Because you are a badass. Not that. like new rule set. Give, give me old Yu-Gi-Oh! I could beat the devil in a game of Yu-Gi-Oh! I bet you could. I could win my soul. Uh, that dear guy Tricky would like to know, as a teen, I had vivid dreams slash nightmares after seeing a few screenshots of Doom in a 90s paper magazine. Do you remember those from print magazines? Yeah, print mags, yeah. Ah. Um, it's, it uniquely set my expectations. Name a few games that you have dreamed about before or after playing. Oh, I've had Guitar Hero dreams where my dreams have just scrolled up like the note screen on Guitar Hero. I've had that. Yeah, um, I remember I was playing so much Day of the Tentacle when it first came out, and I had no way of getting hints, just yeah. wandering around and around and around. Like, I remember sort of bits of that floating up uh, in dreams. I've, I've had Zelda dreams. I don't think I've ever had a Zelda dream, which as a Zelda yeah. fan, I feel really, you know, just... Oc- Ocarina of Time era, I had some Zelda dreams. Oh, nice. Yeah. I would like some, some blocking. I think I might have had some Final Fantasy dreams at some point, but that would have been a very long time ago. Uh, that would have been seven. Ian Burnham would like to know, what would you and Laura's characters look like if you was in Undertale? Oh, oh. Um, most of the uh, people in that world are... I, I'd be like the humanoid bunny person that's in Snowden. I'll, I'll, just be, I'll just be a bunny person like, hello! I need to be a bunny person or a cat person. I'm not blamed... Uh, Undertale, really? So I guess I could be a Temmie. <laughs> like, like this a little green head Temmie. Hi! Temmie and Temmie and my business yeah. partner Jane. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the humanoid rabbit person in that game is a bit weird. They, they're they a humanoid rabbit with a non-humanoid rabbit as a pet. It, it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's, it, it's like how Pluto Are you sure is a hu- just a fairy? No, I don't think so. But it's like how like Pluto... Is no, um, Goofy is like a humanoid dog, but also Pluto exists in that world. Who's a dog? Dog? Like it's one of those situations. It's more or less. Well, don't stop ape- and think about there it. There are apes in this world. That doesn't mean there aren't humans. So yeah. maybe it's like the bunny sapiens and I. I suppose so. Lapis lapis. Yeah. Is it lapis lapis? I don't. Know. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So what's the next question? Uh, Crimson would like to know uh, what are your favorite TV shows when you were little. Oh, where are your favourite TV shows? Uh, Pokemon and Power Rangers. Um, Transformers. Um, I watched a lot of She-Ra. I, when I was allowed, when I could get away with it, I watched quite a lot of My Little Pony, but I wasn't allowed to watch My Little Pony. Yeah. yeah. I was only allowed to watch She-Ra because they thought I was watching He-Man. Yeah, yeah. I Trust me being there. 
been there. Um, I vaguely remember watching the Popples quite a lot and the Wuzzles. Yeah. <laughs> these are just words that will mean nothing to anyone <laughs> these days. Um, oh, the Chew People and the Poddington Peas. Oh, the Poddington Peas. Uh, yeah, Down it's... at the bottom of the garden. Among the birds and the bees, a lot of little, lot of people. They call the Poddington Peas. There's creepy black eyed bee and lumpy. Okay, Next so. Question. <laughs> Fryfurb Fringe would like to know movie slash TV slash video game worlds you would want to live in. I'm sure we've answered this before, didn't we say Zelda? Yeah, I think we did. Just live in like Hyrule Castle Town. Yeah. Or the Tetris effect. <gasps> I'll live in one of the windmills in the windmill level. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like Astrobot, because that's quite cute. Yeah. I'll that's live in the little... space station level from Tetris Effect. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, you wouldn't be able to nip out, though. I could have a little zero gravity dance. They've got internet on space stations, right? Uh, I can get on Spotify. Mikhail, uh, we all in this together. We'd like to know uh, what is the weirdest hat you've worn? The weirdest hat I've worn? Uh, I'm sleepy, okay? It's been a long week. Um, it's I, Tuesday. We used to have a birthday hat growing up. That everyone had to the wear. The family birthday hat. Yes, the, on, on your birthday, Jesus. you had to wear the birthday hat. And at the very least, when you ate breakfast, you had to wear the birthday hat. And it was a top hat, but the top hat section, it was like just thin fabric, but it was a birthday cake top hat that had happy birthday on it. You had to wear the birthday hat. I hope it got washed fairly regularly. It, it did, but you yeah, you had to wear the birthday hat. That's probably the weirdest hat I've ever worn. At least people celebrated birthdays, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe my bunny-eared Zelda hat. That's, it's that's, got a triforce on the front. And just, and just, like, sort of, what, foot and a half, two foot long yeah. bunny ears on it. And it's black and yellow. It's really good. <laughs> um, There's my... Sp- I sp- I suppose it's like one of those spirit... Is it a spirit head, they call them? With the, yeah, yeah. The hat, it's got, like, cat ears on it and then, like, a scarfy bit that isn't a scarf yeah. that you can put your hands in. Yeah. Um, and it's rainbow-coloured. You have and some good hats. It aims to be at least garish. I've got that um, cute little bunny hat with the little bunny ears and the little soppy bunny face yeah. that just peeks up over the little yeah. line. Um, you want which one? Welcome to wear when anyone wants <laughs> Um... I'm sure I've worn some other really weird hats because I used to be really into weird hats. Weird hats are great. I'm mentally blanking, but I'm sure I've worn other weird hats. I don't think a top hat counts as particularly weird, but I usually wear it with goggles just to look a bit odd. It's before I even realised steampunk was a thing. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, see? <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> uh, Jenny Torres, hi! Uh, we'd like to know... Uh, I'm sure you'll cover this, uh, cover it. But what are your thoughts on H Bomber Guy's charity stream? What do you hope or think will it will lead to? I have some thoughts on that. I was on that stream a couple of times. Twice. Yeah. So I think it's a fantastic thing that happened. I am super happy for mermaids that they were that that was able to happen. I think it was really great that it acted as such a catalyst for vocal support of trans people for a couple of days. Uh, you saw a lot of big name people who are not trans talking about trans issues in ways that they often don't because there was a big vocal point to sort of focus on. 
it was really nice seeing a lot of the names of people who wanted to get involved and do something. It was nice to see cis people not bashing us for once. Yeah, it was nice to have a couple of days in which the whole world was going, fuck you, Graham Lynham, you're an asshole. we're going to raise... they weren't, they were going, thanks, Graham. Just yeah, to really thanks, Graham. My favourite was when everyone was sending pictures of their, um, their estrogen to him and just being like, having my morning hormones, thanks, Graham. Um... He he tweeted that he wasn't bothered, and then he tweeted like three hundred tweets in a day, and it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, you're all bothered. He's still today tweeting about that live stream. I'm but like, he's not bothered. He's not bothered though. He's not um, one of them snowflakes. Yeah. So I have some more like slightly more complex feelings about that mm-hmm. stream. Um, I think that stream was never intended to be as big as it was, and I think a lot of that shows in the way it was planned. There was yeah. a lot of. There was a lot of issues that came up and were dealt with, and then more issues came up and were dealt with, because on the fly this became a huge thing. Um, Yeah. But all power to the mod team, because it sounds like they managed to keep chat fairly chip-free. Yeah, it it was a minor miracle it was as well curated as it was. I know some of the mod people on that, they were working their asses off, like, barely sleeping alongside um, the guy doing the game. I think that the the queries rain, rain, raised about some of the balance of who was talking on the stream was definitely valid. Mm-hmm. I think that it's definitely valid to talk about the fact that at a certain point that stream became a lot more I'm going to have cis celebrities on to to not even necessarily talk about trans stuff but to just be there and go, hey, famous person is here, is a valid criticism. I think that by virtue of the fact that, like, this only would have got as big as it did, A, because it was a cis white guy streamer, and B, because they got a lot of celebrity cis straight white people in as well to help them. That definitely was to the benefit of mm. raising money for the charity. Yeah. But and from what I've heard, like, places like 4chan didn't even really pick up on it oh, until, they, like, today. They didn't notice it until, like, that. that's the minor miracle, is, again, because it was being done by a person who wasn't trans, they yeah. just didn't jump in until much later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last thing, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier, was that whole point of, since the stream happened, there have been some people saying, hey, well, why didn't trans people step up and raise that money for, like, this way for mermaids? It's like, well... Because if we tried it, you'd have shut us the fuck up and yeah, shut us down it's, and it, uh, turned it to shit in minutes. Yeah, no, it's... Either no one would have paid attention or all the wrong people would have paid attention. Yeah. You can only get away with doing something like this when you are already a cis straight white guy with a big platform. Yeah. And, Sadly. Yeah, and that's kind of sad. Like, it's definitely not for lack of trying. He just... The people who were point- making this a story of, aha, he worked out how to fix trans stuff b- better than the trans people did. It's like, no, not. <laughs> Perhaps you don't understand institutional racism, but, among other things. Indeed. <laughs> it, it sounds like I'm, I'm complaining about a lot of stuff. I like That's because, like on the positives, it's just a big, this was amazing, an amazing thing was done. We got to feel like the world was on our side for a couple of days. Yeah, it was and... really nice. I lo- I yeah. was I logged onto Twitter. I didn't immediately feel like shit all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it was re the world was really positive towards trans people in a way that yeah. it often isn't. And like, there's no real detail to say about that. That yeah. was good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, yeah, like people mentioned that it was quite white. Yeah, it Again. was. It was also quite heavily lent towards trans women over trans mask people uh, at times. It was... 
largely very abled. Yep. Um, I I do try and get my couple of minutes in there to go, hey, so let's talk about autism and, and like disability stuff and trans stuff and how these intersect. And there were a couple of nice like discussions like that, I think. I understand there were some people on Sunday morning with disabilities that were talking yep. about stuff. Uh, there was some discussion at some point about the uh, Nazi book burnings that happened and how Important. that set back yeah. research into trans people a huge amount and yeah. There was a really interesting discussion I caught the tail end of where someone was talking about, and this is the thing I think we've talked about before, that people complain, well, if trans people are real, why is there no record of them before 1930? It's like, well, Well, because all of it was in Nazi Germany, and then it all got set on fire. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I'm amazed that that happened, and it's a magical thing to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, And... Yeah, they raised a lot of money for a really good cause, and yeah. I hope more good things come of this, and I hope that that other trans people who are perhaps struggling as much or more than I have been recently yeah. will have, have looked at that and gone, you know what, maybe not everyone does hate us outside yeah. of our own community. It's, it's really nice to see, like... The, the the nice side of having all those those celebrity people getting involved was having those moments of, like... Mara Wilson, who is occasionally on Welcome to Night Vale, but most people will know her as Matilda oh, from the okay, Matilda yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, she came on to be like, hey, it's really awesome what you're doing. Trans people are great. Um, Adam from Adam Ruins Everything, he mm-hmm. popped on to be like, hey, trans people are great. Keep keep up the good fight. Yeah. It was really nice seeing some people like that being like, oh, I'm glad that you approve of my existence, friend. Thank you. Yeah. That was more, yeah. Um, um, hopefully, like, those people's audiences will also have caught up to that and yeah. will also be brought on board. I will say, screw you to the news organisations that reported think- headlines like Alexandria... Um, Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, Ocasio-Cortez uh, goes on to Donkey Kong stream to say Nintendo 64 is the best console. Yeah. Like, um, um, maybe, maybe, like, point out the, the, the trans stuff? Yeah. In your headline, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe do that. Maybe, maybe don't be shitty. Maybe don't be shitty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, Sebastian Humbucker uh, has said, uh, would you rather live on a boat, in a treehouse, or in a bunker? Uh, treehouse. I like... I've told you this before. I I romanticise the dream of living somewhere very high up and being like at the very top of the thing. Uh, be yeah. that the top of a tree. Or like on the top of a lighthouse or a windmill. I'd like to live inside a living tree. Yeah. In, yeah. Something, some sort of cool living or tree organism. You, I'm now picturing that house built inside a tree toward the end of series of unfortunate events. I'm tr- Yeah, that's really pretty. Yeah, I could live in that tree. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the thing from Saga that's like a, oh. like a pod thing that flies yeah. through space. That kind of treehouse. Space treehouse. <laughs> um, Safia Darkwood, uh, what is queer culture like over there? I'm from the States and I would rather learn about the world than tell it to fuck off. Which is a fair standpoint. Yeah, uh, I think the UK queer scene is very fragmented. Yes. It's very uh, 18 plus nightlife centric. Yeah. There's a real lack of... Um... Well, there's not really any like youth centres or anything anymore no. anyway. So yeah. the ability for like young people to have anywhere to hang out around that isn't just outside a McDonald's. Yeah. All queer spaces are really 
uh, assumed to be 18 plus spaces, and I think that's a holdover of a history of uh, queer people being demonised and accused of, in many cases, accused of paedophilia or being a danger to children, and as such, creating spaces for queer people that excluded children so that those uh, accusations wouldn't get made, no Mm. accusations of grooming or anything, which has never really been addressed, and it means we have, like, gay bars and gay nightclubs, and that's really it. Yeah, and like, I, and I know like a a few like straight edge or teetotal um, yeah. queer friends who were just like, I don't, I don't want that kind of night out. I want to yeah. go and have a coffee and yeah. play board games and. and that's not to say those things. places don't exist. Uh, when I used to live in Bournemouth, there was a really nice cafe called Flirt, which is mm. exclusively like aimed at LGBT people. It's a very LGBT friendly space. They do exist, but they're definitely not common. I think, yeah, there's there's a real lack of sober or all-ages queer spaces. Yeah. We're very reliant on, on pride as a place to be like, ah, now we're all together. And the, 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 the thing, certainly, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older and I don't really recognise young people anywhere, but it felt like there was a lot of quite young people at, at London Pride and Brighton Pride this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it chance by Brighton as well. There was, yeah. it was a good age range there. Yeah. I, like the first couple of years, it was quite old. And oh yeah, Pride is definitely becoming a lot more accessible to like teens. Yeah, bring, 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 bring the kids along. Yeah. Uh, we got any other questions? That is all of the questions. <gasps> Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? <laughs> Justice Warriors. Hello, Larry. Hey, Barry, how you doing? Oh, I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm right. I'm alright. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I have got some grumbles, me. You know, yeah. I occasionally have some grumbles. Uh, I, I saw, I saw a thing this week. It was uh, going round. It's just got me thinking. Victim shaming's a thing that happens. It's a bit shitty, isn't it? It's more than a bit shitty. It's more mate. than a bit shitty. It's very shitty. Well, I, I don't know. I wasn't aware of it, like you know, until pretty recently. I'll, it's a no. thing. I'm, it's a thing I'm learning about, and, and you know, as as I understand it, correct me if I've misunderstood, but I believe the concept is, uh, you know, blaming people, often marginalised people, for things that happen to them because of, you know, perceived things that they, you know, they asked for it, not you know the people who did whatever bad thing. Like an uh, example being, you know, if uh, a woman goes out at night in a uh, you know, in a revealing outfit and, you know, happens to be a victim of sexual assault, people might go, well, you probably shouldn't have dressed like that. And that's, you know, that's victim blaming behaviour because you should be blaming the person who made a choice to do sexual assault. Yeah, you know, yeah. the thing that caused rape, rape is rapists. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, short skirts or how much you've had to drink, drink or whether you're absolutely drug-fucked out of your skull and lying in a corner in the recovering position for safety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not just, you know, cases like sexual assault and rape. There's so many, so many situations where victims get blamed for things that, you know, happen to them. You see it like when kids get bullied in school, it's always the sort of... um well, you know, if you didn't, if you if you didn't, you know, respond to it so much, they wouldn't do it. If you, you know, just didn't respond. If you just made more effort to fit in. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's an example where it happens. It's just it's a it's a, a depressing thing to see because you yeah, know yeah. 
it is so willing to blame the people who are being hurt rather than going, just don't be shitty people. Well, exactly. Uh, one that really made my blood curdle earlier this week was uh, I saw the phrase provoked racism. Oh, goodness, goodness. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh. No, that, that's, that, that's, that's clearly blaming the, the, the victim of racism for something they have no control over whatsoever. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, if you'd acted different, this wouldn't have happened. Um, if you'd been somehow born different. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh this is... Oh, topics uh, like this are tired. They're so, exhausting. Yeah, I mean, it's one, one thing the queer community's had for ages. And, and, and trans people as well. Like, <laughs> why don't you make more efforts to pass? Uh, well, not everyone can do that. Exactly. Why are you blaming that rather than going, why don't you just accept people for how they look? Or how they tell you they are. Exactly, exactly. Like if somebody says they are something, you know, not everyone can, can afford or, or is able to take hormones for uh, numerous reasons. Not everyone can afford or desires to necessarily change everything about how they look. Especially when, you know, take an example back to, back to trans women, women, to say like, you know, why don't you shave your armpits? Like, and then these are usually the same people that say, well, isn't it the most uh, beautiful feminist thing that, you know, these women aren't shaving their armpits for whatever reason. Yeah. They're not conforming to that. But, you know, yeah. with someone else not to do it, they're then suddenly they're to blame for, you know, again, victim blaming for for the abuse they suffer. That yeah. would be otherwise heralded as a good thing in somebody else. Oh, yeah. Do you mind if we have that hug? This always, is, oh, always, oh, always. I'm all, all tired out. I don't blame you, mate. It's, uh, it's been a heavy week. Yeah. Have you seen that Steven Universe finale? Oh, it's proper good. Proper oh, good. So I, need, I need some time to process it, but I'll, sorry, talk, to, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, um, yeah. Proper good. Yeah. <sighs> right. Shall oh. I put the kettle on, mate? Yeah, put the kettle on. Yeah. Have, a, have a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Laura. Yes. Where can we find you on the internet, darling? You can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. You can find my books on the internet. Uncomfortable Labels is my memoir that is about me being trans and autistic and gay and all sorts of things and how they all intersect. That's on the internet. It's on places. I. Uh, I saw it on, I think, uh, Waterstones, it's on Amazon, I think I saw it on Barnes & Noble in the US, Ooh. so that's cool. Uh, there's also Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is for a short time still up on Unbound, uh, so you can get backer rewards if you want to support it. It's a coffee table book with illustrations about video game character butts. Uh, and the backer rewards are really cool. I'm taking the next week off of my day job to do a bunch of making that book, just getting the text complete, ready to to send that to the publisher. Nice. Otherwise, I'm on Dice Funk. It's a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, and five. They're all self-contained stories. Well, you do, Jane. Uh, I can be found on Twitter and YouTube as Maniac Janiac. I'm on SoundCloud as Jane Eris Magnet, where you might be listening to this now. I'm also on Twitch.tv slash Janiac. I usually uh, do a show on Thursdays uh, around 7.30 UK time. I'm on StoneMonkeyRadio.blog, where I write reviews and just silly stuff. And I will shortly be appearing on Badly Designated Heroes, which is a 5th edition D&D podcast. Uh, that's coming out at the end of January, I believe. So I'm very hype about that. Hype, hype, hype. Whoop, whoop. Sing us out, darling. Until next time, be a stranger.